God, this morning, I pray that we will have an overwhelming sense of your presence. God, that each one of us will recognize your presence in each other. God, that we would recognize your presence in this room and with us as we depart this room. That we would not only recognize your presence in and with us, but we would actually live in a way that we believe it. God, I pray that you would humble us this morning, that you would speak to us this morning. and that we would surrender ourselves and submit ourselves to what you communicate with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. A couple weeks ago, we uh, were at that time that every homeowner in California dreads that you had to replace your fence. And this has been long time coming. Um, our fence has been on life support for a number of years. Um, I've used pretty much all of the, you know, steel shanks that can reinforce posts. Uh, I've, I actually also even um, with the neighbors, the, the, the fence was leaning toward the neighbor's house and uh, they have a, a shed kind of along the fence line, and I even cut a two by four to a length just longer than it would be to prop the fence back up, and I stuck it against the neighbor's the shed and, and propped the fence back up and stuck a screw through the fence. So um, it, it's, it's struggling. Um, small dogs, it doesn't keep out. Big dogs, it does, unless they run into it hard. And uh, so, so it was time to do that. And so um, about a month before, we, we got some quotes from some guys, because um, we live on a cul-de-sac, and so we, we share a fence with six neighbors, which just adds to the pain of this process. And so, um, and of course, it's not, it's, there's some neighbors that are, you know, next to you, but when you're on a cul-de-sac, there's neighbors like on three different streets. And so, uh, it's a lot of fence, a lot of neighbors, and so uh, we, we did some research, and apparently in California, there's, there's some legal stuff that if you, if you do notify your neighbors 30 days prior, even if they don't want their fence replaced, that you share with them, you can still do it as long as you've given them that 30 days. It's just they, they, they kind of will decide whether or not they wanna help with it. So, uh, so I went out uh, on, on, a, on a Saturday and uh, about 30 days before the fence project, I had um, 
I was armed with uh, the quote for each section of fence that, that we shared with them and uh, a letter that said that, you know, it's, you know, time to do this and, and, and we know everyone is, you know, kind of maybe struggling at this time, so we're hoping that you can be involved. If you can't, we understand. And so anyway, so I, I went around and, 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 and touched base with all the neighbors, some neighbors that I hadn't met before and um, <clears throat> went around and did that. And uh, it's, just, it's just weird, you know, not knowing where our neighbors were necessarily, like in, in life in general. And so it's just weird going and knocking on someone's door with a mask. I just feel like I'm going to rob them. But anyway, uh, so, so anyway, going around, I did all that stuff. And, um, and so a month later, they did the fence uh, over the course of a week. And uh, some of the neighbors participated, some of them didn't. And, and so then I got a text from one of our neighbors uh, this, this past week. And everything was done, and, and I got a text from her. Her name's May, and, and she said, she said, hey, um, I, I, I contacted the fence company, um, and I, I didn't contact them when I probably should have, uh, and she said, and they said that you paid for the fence, and she said, I feel really bad, because I, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, follow up right away, and she said, I'm so sorry, but, but I'd, I'd like to pay for my half of that portion of the fence. And she said, I, I can come today and pay you. And I texted her back and I said, oh, that, you know, that's great. Thank you. I said, you know, there's no, I mean, uh, we're home today, but, you know, whatever works for you. And then I got a text back from her. And the only time that I had met her before was going to her house and dropping that stuff off. And, and she texted me back and she said, yeah, I'm so sorry. She said, my, my, uh, she said I've just kind of been in a fog for a while and I've been missing things because my husband suddenly died in January. And she said, I just haven't been able to, to, to recover from that and, and I haven't been able to think straight and be on top of the things that I, I would normally be on top of. And, and uh, of course that made offense seem very, very insignificant. And uh, I texted her back and I said, I'm, I'm so sorry uh, for your loss. I said, you know, the, I mean, don't, don't worry about, don't, there's no rush, there's, you know, don't worry about feeling pressured to, to give us a check, any, I mean, whatever works for you. And so she texted back and she said she was gonna come by later that day. And so she came by and, and, and we stood and, and, and I say we talked for about 15 minutes when she brought the check, but, but actually it was her talking and processing and crying and, um, you know, what, what, do you, what do you do in those situations? You're kind of a, a, you know, kind of, you kind of wonder, you know, like what, what is the right thing to do and the right thing to say? And, and this feels like it's kind of a, uh, a, a situation where, where it's not really normal. Some of the, the you don't really know it all, but they, they, they kind of begin to say. Here's what's interesting about that. Have you ever been in a situation where, you think, man, I, I didn't know what to do or say in that situation. This morning, we're talking about the kingdom citizen and the Holy Spirit. I believe that we, for all practical purposes, ignore the Holy Spirit. And, and here's why, one of the reasons and maybe some of us more than others. When I got the stuff together to go talk to my neighbors about the fence, I am competent and capable of doing that. At no point did I pray and ask the Holy Spirit how he wanted me to engage my neighbors in participating in the fence project. 
because I know how to do that. I don't need the Holy Spirit to do that. When May texted me, and I was gonna text back when she said she you know, wanted to pay, I didn't ask the Holy Spirit if there was something that he wanted me to do in my response to my neighbor. And then when May told me what was going on, is it any wonder that I would be unprepared and maybe at a loss of exactly how to walk through that? When was the last time that you went to work and before you left work to go home, you prayed and said, Holy Spirit, God, I just want to make sure that when I get home, the interactions that you want me to have with my spouse, my kids, my family, I wanna make sure they're the interactions that you want me to have with them. So, so show me what you want me to do when, when, when I get home. When was the last time you did that when you left to go back home from work? I'm not raising my hand, because I haven't. <laughs> but we are completely capable. Here's the thing, I think we have, we have replaced, as kind of good evangelicals, we've replaced the Holy Spirit with information and competence. I think I have because I make all my own decisions. Paul, Paul says in, in his writing, one of the things he says, he says, uh, pray without ceasing. I believe from Paul's letters and what we read about Paul in Acts, I'm not sure there is a move Paul made without consulting the Holy Spirit about that move. How, how do I make decisions on, on filling up with gas? I go to Costco because it's the cheapest and I don't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> what line do I choose to go to when I run to the grocery store to pick something up quick? I go to the self-checkout line. You know why? Because I don't have to deal with people. When was the last time I, or you, when you needed to fill up your car, prayed and said, Holy Spirit, which gas station do you want me to go to? Or when you were in the grocery store, or going to the grocery store, you said, Holy Spirit, prepare me for the person that you want me to talk to at the grocery store. And Holy Spirit, is it okay if I use the uh, self-checkout line? <laughs> or do you need me to go and actually be something significant for somebody who's actually there at the register checking people out and probably doesn't wanna be there? B before you kinda maybe reject or argue that, no, 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 I don't, we haven't replaced the Holy Spirit with things. I, I want you to think about that Practically, and I'm not saying we've replaced him or ignored him or denied him in our beliefs. 
But I think in our actions and behavior, we have replaced him with our ability and our competence and our information that we have because we can function and, and live in a way that he doesn't actually have to show up. Here's the thing, is, is we believe, and, and we would probably all agree in here, I would think we would all agree in here because if, if you don't agree with this, then you're definitely an, an outlier. Um, we believe that, that as revealed in scripture, that we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and they are all one, we call that the Trinity, that they are equal, equally God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and, and, that, and that, that, that they are one, yet they exist in three persons. Um, I don't claim to fully understand that, but there is one God above all other gods who is responsible and sovereign over all creation, seen and unseen, and exists in three persons. That's pretty basic to orthodox Christian doctrine. <laughs> I'm not sure that you can be a Christian without believing that. <laughs> and, 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 and so the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, his primary role as one of the, the, the persons in the Trinity is carrying out the kingdom mission through the people of God. That's his role, is carrying out the kingdom mission through the people of God. That's what he does. And there's ample scripture to support that that we'll actually look at today. We see this Holy Spirit in the Old Testament empowering at different points, but not necessarily inhabiting. But we see the Holy Spirit empowering people like Joseph to interpret dreams of the Pharaoh. We see the Holy Spirit empowering Bezalel, who was one of the craftsmen who built things for the temple of God. We see, it says in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit empowered him to be a master craftsman. And, and, and so we see the Holy Spirit working through that, and, and we see the Holy Spirit coming upon the prophets in the Old Testament, prophesying and speaking the words of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit at the baptism of Jesus. As Jesus steps into the water with John, there's a voice from God the Father saying, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And then there is a dove that descends on Jesus that the New Testament identifies as the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And we see the Holy Spirit in the New Testament indwelling the believer. That when we are forgiven of our sins, when we come to Jesus Christ for salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And, 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 so, and so really, if you, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be looking at John 14 and John 16 today. We'll, we'll hit John 14 first, so you can go there if you'd like. But there's two statements, one in John 14, one in John 16, that Jesus makes that are interesting statements, to say the least. The first one is in John 14, 12, and Jesus says this. He says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do. 
Now, just taking Jesus at face value and his language there, what is he saying? <laughs> He's saying, you, my disciples, whoever believes in me that makes you a disciple, a follower of Jesus, he says, you'll do the works I do and you'll do even greater works. That's, that is a pretty crazy statement. He says, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Then in John 16, seven, he says another thing that is pretty interesting. He says that it is to my advantage, to your advantage that he goes away. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So here's my question. How many people have done greater works than Jesus? It's like the same number of people who prayed before they left work to, you know, engage their spouse well. <laughs> Uh, how many of you would say that you feel like, yeah, you know what, I am better off than the disciples because Jesus isn't here visibly? How many of you would say, yeah, I think I'm better off than them? I'm not sure any of us would say, I mean, how many times have we said or thought things like, if Jesus was only here physically that I could experience him with my five senses, it would be so much better. But Jesus himself actually says, no, 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 that's not better. It's better that I go away. So, so what, what's going on here? Well, I think beginning with the Jesus going away and Jesus saying that we'll do greater things, those two things are linked and connected to one, his ascension that we, we talked about a, a few weeks ago talking about Jesus as king and the significance of the ascension of Christ. And secondly, I think it has to do with the coming, the giving, and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a limit. Jesus was limited in the incarnation in the same way that we are limited spatially. We know that God is everywhere, right? We know that God is present everywhere. There's no place on earth or anywhere else that God is not present. But Jesus, in the incarnation, is limited, right? Jesus, in fact, one, one morning, uh, the disciples were frantically looking for Jesus. They couldn't find him because people in that particular town were lined up out the door of a house waiting for Jesus to heal them and do things for them. And the disciples couldn't find Jesus. They finally found him, and he had withdrawn, and he was, he was sleeping, and he was praying. And when the disciples found him, they said, thank goodness we found you, Jesus. Sometimes I wonder if they, they ever said to Jesus, like, thank God we found you. And I'm like, oh, that'd be really, I don't know if that's redundant or ironic. But, 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 but anyway, so I, they're, they're kind of like, we found you, because there's all these people waiting to see you. And Jesus said, Actually, we're moving to the next town today. Jesus was limited spatially. He could either be withdrawn, 
praying and sleeping, or he could be with people healing them. So the incarnated Jesus was limited. His physical body was limited to where he was. That is where he was contained, and he could only travel as far as we could travel. The ascension was the point of completion for the work and the mission of Jesus because Jesus came, he was, he was, he was crucified, he was dead and buried, and then he rose from the dead. But again, what we tend to miss is, is that, that the resurrection is not the greatest day. The greatest day is when Jesus ascended because that's when the whole cosmos, all that's seen and unseen, recognized and then understood without any shadow of a doubt that Jesus is king of everything. And so when Jesus ascended into heaven, Jesus, some of the roles he was given that he was called, that Jesus is a prophet, priest, and king. And so his role and title as prophet and priest and king was different when he was here on earth and those things changed with the ascension so that his prophetic title on earth, Jesus was one prophet speaking the words of God in one place, but in heaven he has made his whole body prophets. Anyone who has Jesus is a prophet of Jesus. And we all get to tell the news of God in the gospel in many more places than Jesus did in physical form. And then, and then in the ascension, his priestly role on earth, Jesus gave people peace through his words and actions in person where they could hear his voice. But in heaven, he has given access to God, peace, and confidence to draw near to God boldly without any kind of other mediation. And then his kingly title on earth, Jesus was designated as king, but in heaven, he was installed as king. And his reign over the cosmos began. Now here's the thing, all the good that comes from the ascension or the departure of Jesus is dependent on the coming and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says to us, it is better that I go away, why? Because he was limited. Now I'm not speaking about somehow limiting his godhood, but Jesus by choice did not grasp. You read that in Philippians. But Jesus was spatially limited. We see that through scripture. Jesus says, it is better for you that I go away because that changes the playing field. And he said, if I don't go away, then the spirit won't come. And the spirit then, you see, you see the spirit then makes the change and the difference in the world around us. The Holy Spirit takes Jesus' role as prophet, priest, and king and expands it throughout the entire body of Christ. We then participate as prophet, priest, and king with Jesus in his body. Jesus is above all 
And the Spirit indwells every believer, which means the work and mission of Jesus is spread simultaneously to every single place the disciple of Jesus inhabits, which is a much greater work than Jesus did in the years that he was here in the flesh visibly. And that's not even, that doesn't even discount that we can participate in the works of Jesus. But there's a much greater work that we are at, at, at this one time, the body of Christ is all over the world having an impact. Be because you see, Remember, at the beginning of this series, and a couple times I've mentioned that, that the kingdom of God is the king's power over the king's people in the king's place. And what, where does the king's power come out practically in our lives? Through the Holy Spirit. The king's power, the king's people in the king's place. You see, we tend to look at what Jesus said as individuals. We tend to look at what Jesus says and says, well, you're saying that I, because we all want glory and we want power and we are driven to be recognized, so we look at that where Jesus says, you'll do greater things, saying I'm gonna do greater things and I'm gonna be greater than Jesus, where Jesus is talking to his whole body and what Jesus is saying is that these things are said to his people as the head directs the body. Jesus is the head of the church. And the body that, that, that makes up the church. And so Jesus says, you will do greater things because you will be everywhere through the power of the Holy Spirit. So John 14, here's, here's a critical passage that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. John 14, starting in verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, you'll obey him. But how many think obedience is hard? From the minute you were born, obedience was hard. <laughs> and it continues to be hard. If you love me, you'll obey me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So, so Jesus says to his disciples, he says, uh, one, you need to obey what I've said. And then he says, just so you know, don't freak out about this because you realize that you're really bad at obeying. I will send a helper who will help you be successful. That word is a paraclete, which is a person called alongside another person called alongside another. The Holy Spirit is personal. He is powerful. His job is protecting, and he preserves the people of God. The Holy Spirit convicts. He comforts. 
He counsels and he calls us to holy living. And what's interesting, as Jesus talks about what he's gonna do and how he's going to send the helper, he says that I'm going to send another helper. Basically, what Jesus is saying is that the Holy Spirit is to me what Jesus was to the 12. Jesus, Jesus to the 12, the Holy Spirit is to you what Jesus was to the 12, except the Holy Spirit is even better to you than Jesus was to the 12. Because guess what? Sometimes the 12 couldn't find Jesus. There is no point in your life, once you've, once you've been forgiven and received salvation, that you can't find the Holy Spirit. Zero times. And so Jesus says, I will send another, another like me. And in a sense, again, I don't quite understand. It's like Jesus is sending himself because it is the Trinity, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And God the Son says, I will send God the Spirit, which is me and not me. So just figure that out. <laughs> but, but it's true. <laughs> and, and, and so then he says, who will be with you what? Forever. How many of you have thought of the Holy Spirit as being with you in this life, but when you go to heaven, the Holy Spirit isn't with you anymore? Now you're just in the presence of God. When Jesus says he will be with you forever, he's talking about forever, all of eternity, so that the Holy Spirit will be, I don't know, again, I don't know how this works, but the Holy Spirit will be in and with me, not only in this life, but also after I die and when I'm present with Christ. I will not only be present with Christ physically, but I will also have the Holy Spirit indwelling me in heaven, because Jesus says he will be with you forever, and forever is meaning forever there. So this is kind of a big deal. The presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life results in growing love and obedience. Look at, look at, again, look at verse 15. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. All in the context of Jesus saying, I will send another helper and he will be with you forever. And if you wanna emphasize forever, you can do the whole Sandlot thing. Forever. Forever. <laughs> and, and, so, and so the reality is that that, that the Holy Spirit will teach us, he will remind us of things that are true, and he will bring peace in our lives. Verse 26, or back up to verse 25, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus says, look, the Holy Spirit will teach you, he will remind you, 
and he will give you peace. Let me just for a second go back to what I shared at the beginning. Why in the world wouldn't I ask the Holy Spirit what he wants me to do before I go and engage my neighbors? If that's what he does. And, and, so, and so then, moving into, moving into John chapter 16, Starting in verse four, Jesus, Jesus continues kind of what he's talking about, and he says, he says, but I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And again, how are they gonna remember? The power of the Holy Spirit. That's how they're gonna remember these things. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now... Verse five, I am going to him who sent me and none of you asks me where are you going but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. What is the Holy Spirit's work in the world? What does the Holy Spirit do in the world? Jesus says he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he clarifies those things in the verses that follow. He says very clearly, sin, what is the, what is the very foundation of sin? Is not believing in Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. That is the foundation of sin. And so the Holy Spirit will convict the world of that sin, of not believing in Jesus. Secondly, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, he says. In other words, the recognition, part of righteousness is recognizing that Jesus was sent by God. Later in John 17, Jesus says, he prays for us, and we'll get to this on another day, but he says, that they may be one, as you and I are one, so that, why? That the world will believe that you, Father, sent me. So just to give you a little something to kind of kick around in your head for a bit, when we are not one in the body of Christ, we deny to the world that Jesus was sent by God. Bottom line. So, so here Jesus says that, that, that the Holy Spirit, then he says concerning judgment and what we, what we sometimes I think here is judgment because the people in the world are judged. No, he says because the ruler of this world is judged. The only beings already judged are the spiritual rebellious beings, not humanity, are not judged yet. We get judged when we die. Then we get judged. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world of judgment 
and says that the, the, the king, the, the, the ruler of this world is already judged. So basically what the Holy Spirit's role in the world, essentially when it comes to sin, righteousness, and judgment, is basically salvation. The Holy Spirit calls the world to salvation. That's what the Holy Spirit does in the world. See, we, let, we sometimes kind of get stuck on the, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, so we need to let everyone know they're sinful. No, we need to let everyone know that there's salvation. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. That, the, that the, 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 the structures that they are under, those structures are already judged. And that there is salvation through Jesus Christ. Secondly, he goes on and he says, he says, uh, he says I, I, still have, I still have many things to say to you but cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will, what, guide you. Now this is what the spirit does for the believer. He will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. It's interesting the way Jesus describes the Holy Spirit speaking. He says the Holy Spirit will only speak what he's heard from the Father. Who else did Jesus describe that way? Himself. Jesus said numerous times, I only say what I hear the Father say. He's again saying that we are one. You're talking to the Holy Spirit, the Son, or the Father, it's the same. And, 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 so, and so he says in verse 14, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And so here's what the, the Spirit does for the believer. The Spirit guides the believer into truth. And secondly, the Spirit glorifies Jesus through the believer. And again, glorifying Jesus is detailed in John 17 by Jesus himself. Glorifying Jesus is unity with one another in the body of Christ. But again, that's not something we can get into this morning, but we will get there. And, and so the effects of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that number one, the, the Holy Spirit indwells every single believer. Every person who receives salvation is indwelt by the Holy Spirit that, at that point. When one comes to Jesus for forgiveness and surrenders their life, they are immediately indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present with them, living in them, which means everywhere the disciple of Jesus goes, there is the kingdom of God. God's power over God's people in God's place. So every place you go, the kingdom of God is there because the Holy Spirit is in you. Now there's the, the, the part that, that for some reason, it shouldn't, but for some reason it gets a little confusing. If you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, does that mean you are also filled with the Holy Spirit? Scripture seems to use, treat those things as separate things. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is what happens when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. Filling of the Holy Spirit is a different thing. And maybe this is a good way to think of it. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a statement like this? You know, you are full of fill in the blank. 
I don't wanna insinuate that you're full of anything, but, but we're all full of something, aren't we? I mean, I mean, you know, some people are full of fire, some people, I don't, I, I don't know, I probably shouldn't go any further with this, <laughs> lest I get in trouble. <laughs> but you get the point, right? Everyone's full of something. And, and, and we are really a full of, of we're, we're full of really a mixture of things, aren't we? Every one of us is full of ourselves to some degree, right? There's whatever fills us up, there's a lot of us there. We, some of the other things that fill us are our ideas, our emotions, our passions, our dreams, our desires. And for the follower of Jesus, we are part of that mixture of fullness is the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing, is that any time, in any day, you are full of lots of things. Here's the thing, if you have elements of yourself and your ideas and your passions, you are not full of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, it's like what, what you did, well, what I did when we went out to eat after church on Sundays when I was little in the kids' table, because we went out with other families and all the kids at the kids' table, what did we do at the, while our parents were still talking and we were done eating? We took all the food that was left on the table and put it into a glass and mixed it up and then wanted to see who would drink it. Tell me somebody did that. Did anyone do that? Come on, you need to be honest. <laughs> that glass was full of a lot of things, not just one thing. But you see, at any given time, we are full of a number of things. We cannot be filled with the Spirit if we, are fill, if we are at any degree full of anything else. And so here's the deal. While the indwelling is something God does to us, filling is, is something that we pursue. And, and, and so here's, here's the thing. Believers have all of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does not have all of the believer. Being full of the Spirit is surrendering what I am full of, dumping out what I am full of, and fully trusting Jesus with it, and obeying God and his word, period. And this is a moment-by-moment -moment challenge. I can be full of the Spirit in one moment, and I can be full of myself the next. I can be the best version of myself in one moment, being full of the Spirit, and the worst version the next minute, being full of myself, or full of an ideology, or full of an agenda. Or I can be this lukewarm mess of a little bit full of the Spirit and a little bit full of 19 different things. Which is where the world says, Hypocrites, <laughs> because we're full of all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and we have to be careful because we can't let ourselves neuter the Holy Spirit. A person can, when filled with the Holy Spirit, do anything the Spirit wants us to do. And, and that includes from speaking in other languages and raising the dead to denying themselves and taking up their cross. 
If the Spirit desires, we can do it if we are full of the Spirit. But if we are not full of the Spirit, we will not deny ourselves. We will not heal people. We won't do any of those things. And frankly, denying ourselves and taking up our cross is way more difficult than speaking in another tongue or raising the dead. Because let's be honest, it is way easier (laughs) to bring somebody back to life than to deny my own life. And we can't do that unless we're full of the Spirit. Romans 8, 9 through 11, Paul says this. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. So if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, that means, that's just making sure you understand that if you have received salvation and surrendered your life to Christ, Then he goes on to say, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in you and is in me. So what's stopping us from pursuing fullness of the Spirit? It's my own competence. It's my arrogance of the information that I have. And sometimes it's just I'm too busy. You see, Holy Spirit filling results in victory over sin, peace and joy in our hearts, and submission and humility toward others. Let me tell you something. A person who's full of the Holy Spirit cannot be in disunity with the body, period. So if you are disunified with the body of Christ, I can guarantee you, you are not full of the Spirit. I'm not saying there's not, maybe you're 26% full of the Spirit. But you're 74% full of you. You cannot be full of the Spirit and be disunified with the body, period. And, and, And so instead of being filled with the Spirit, we've substituted our own stuff for the Spirit. I have a confession to make. I, uh, it was a number of weeks ago and I was, it was my study day and I was working on the sermon and as I was working on the sermon, I think something about the sermon, the Holy Spirit, something or other. And I realized that as we were working through and planning this series, that at no point did we plan to talk about the Holy Spirit but I was just being a good evangelical. (laughs) Because that's what we do. (laughs) The the Holy Spirit is the forgotten part about the Trinity of the Godhead. (laughs) So I called Travis and I said, Travis, we have forgotten to include the Holy Spirit in our series about being a kingdom citizen, which basically means we're not kingdom citizens. (laughs) And so, the sermon today. 
You see, we, we've tended to turn the Holy Spirit into more of an academic pursuit. You see, the Holy Spirit is not an academic pursuit. He is actually in us to teach us how to think, what to do, what to say, and where to go, including where to get your gas. Because let's be honest, who knows what's waiting for you and who needs to hear from you even when you're getting gas? I don't, but the Holy Spirit does. Why would I not include the Holy Spirit in my decisions? And, and so we have replaced this promise helper Jesus said would be better for us than his physical presence with our supposed competence or mastery of information. <laughs> and, and, and so the question is, do I walk in the spirit or do I walk in my own understanding? Trust what? Not in your own understanding, but acknowledge him in everything, in all your ways? What doesn't all your ways include? I mean, let me know if you figure out something that all your ways, something, an activity it doesn't include. And, 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 so, and so, here's the thing. We have to ask ourselves, do I walk in the spirit or do I walk in my understanding? And, and here's the thing. What I see in myself and in the body of Christ, this is how I know that while we may be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we are not often filled by him. It's so funny, even when it comes to the filling of the Holy Spirit, Christians argue about what that is. Guess what? If you're arguing about what the filling of the Holy Spirit is, you're not filled. <laughs> That's how that works. So I wanna give you a couple questions. First question is this. Are you indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit in you? And, and, and the answer to that is, really for you, is, is have you come to Christ in humility and surrendered your life to him? If you have, then the Holy Spirit is in you. You are indwelt by the Spirit. But that's a question you have to answer. And what that includes is repenting of your sin and asking Jesus to reign as king in your life. Second question is this. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And while this is not necessarily an issue of repentance, it's an issue of surrender. You have a fill line. So the questions to maybe follow that are, what are you most often full of? Maybe ask the people around you. And if their answer isn't, I, mostly you're full of the Spirit. Chances are good not many of us are gonna get that answer from the people around us. Are you characterized by victory over sin? By peace and joy in your heart? And submission and humility towards others? Because if you're not characterized by those things, you're not full of the Spirit. 
And it kind of ebbs and flows, doesn't it? This, we still live in a sinful world and we still struggle with sin, so it's gonna ebb and flow. But, but honestly, if the same spirit is in us who raised Jesus from the dead, then we should be moving forward in those things. This morning, we're gonna, we're gonna share communion together. So the band's gonna come back up and, 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 and I don't know about you, but I feel pretty strongly that my life has to radically change. And it's gonna be really, really hard. Because when I left my house this morning, I didn't consult the Holy Spirit about my trip to church. I don't, I'm not in a habit. You know why? Because I'm competent and I'm able to do things. And frankly, even without consulting the Spirit, I get things done. We need to develop not just a habit, but a passion for recognizing the God who is in us and letting him do what he's called to do, what he does, what his job is to guide us and teach us and cause us to glorify Jesus. And so maybe as you prepare your hearts for, the communi for communion this morning, maybe it's time for you to recognize the Holy Spirit and also not only that, but be actively talking with him and asking him and in, not just including him on your plans, but asking him to be the planner as you give input. See, so often I'm the planner and I might ask for input. It's gotta be the other way around. Holy Spirit, where do you want me to get gas today? <laughs> Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What do you, how do you want me to engage my neighbors? See, me going to my neighbors was not just a transaction, it was a relationship. The Holy Spirit knew that May was gonna come over and on my front porch, be struggling and sobbing about her husband who passed away suddenly. And I was ill-prepared for that because I didn't think to ask the Spirit to plan my fence project. I don't wanna make that mistake again. And I don't think you wanna make those mistakes again. So this morning as we participate in communion together, remembering what Jesus did for us, how he died and shed his blood, and how he, he broke his body, that he denied himself and he literally took up the cross. And that he said, do this remembering me because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna send another helper who will be with you forever. Part of communion is remembering what Jesus did but also remembering who he sent. He sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us and what you and I have to do is we have to be filled with the Spirit. That's our choice. We will be full of as much as the Holy Spirit as we choose to be. Because he is a 
Niagara Falls waiting to fill us. Do you wanna be full of the Spirit? Maybe take the next few minutes to kind of quietly reflect.